Welcome to episode one of the Druid's Diary. Today I'll be reading you a story from a book of myths by H. Sewell. This story was called Echo and Narcissus. Echo was a beautiful nymph, fond of the woods and hills, where she devoted herself to the woodland sports. She was a favorite of Diana and attended her in the chase. But Echo had one failing. She was fond of talking, and whether in a chat or an argument, would always have the last word. One day, Juno was seeking her husband, who, she had reason to fear, was amusing himself among the nymphs. Echo, by her talk, contrived to detain the goddess till the nymphs made their escape. When Juno discovered it, she passed sentence upon Echo in these words, You shall forfeit the use of that tongue with which you have cheated me, except for that one purpose you are so fond of. Reply. You shall still have the last word, but no power to speak first. The nymph saw Narcissus, a beautiful youth, as he pursued a chase upon the mountains. She loved him and followed his footsteps. Oh, she longed to address him in the softest accents and win him to converse, but it was not in her powers. She waited with impatience for him to speak first and had her answer ready. One day the youth being separated from his companions shouted aloud, Who's here? Echo replied, Here. Narcissus looked around, but seeing no one, he called out, Come. Echo answered, Come. As no one came, Narcissus called again, Why do you shun me? Echo asked the same question. Let us join one another, said the youth. The maid answered with all her heart in the same words, and hastened to the spot, ready to throw her arms around his neck. He started back, exclaiming, Hands off! I would rather die than you should have me. Have me, she said, but it was all in vain. He left her, and she went to hide her blushes in the, rest, or in the recesses of the woods. From that time forth, she lived in caves among mountains. Her form faded with grief, till at last all her flesh shrank away. Her bones were changed into rocks, and there was nothing left of her but her voice. With that, she is ready to reply to anyone who calls her, and keeps up her old habits of having the last word. Narcissus's cruelty in this case was not the only instance. He shunned all the rest of the nymphs, and as he had done, poor Echo. One day, a maiden who had in vain endeavored to attract him, uttered a prayer that he might some time or other feel that what is what it is to love and meet no return in affection. The avenging goddess heard and granted the prayer. There was a clear fountain with water like silver, to which the shepherds never drove their flocks, nor the mountain goats restored nor any of the beasts of the forest, neither it was defaced with fallen leaves or branches, but the grass grew fresh around it, and the rock sheltered it from the sun. Hither came one day the youth fatigued with hunting, heated and thirsty. He stooped down to drink, and saw his own image in the water. He thought it was some beautiful water spirit living in the fountain. 
He stood gazing with, gazing with admiration at those beautiful bright eyes. Those locks curled like the locks of Bacchus or Apollo. The rounded cheeks, the ivory neck, and the parted lips, and the glow of health and exercise overall. He fell in love with himself. He brought his lips near to take a kiss, but he plunged his and he plunged his arms in to embrace the, love, the beloved object. It fled at the touch, but returned again after a moment and renewed the fascination. He could not tear himself away. He lost all thought for food, rest, while he hovered over the brink of the fountain, gazing upon his own image. He talked with the supposed spirit. Why, beautiful being, do you shun me? Surely my face is not one to repel you. The nymphs love me, and you yourself look not indifferent upon me. When I stretch forth my arms, you do the same, and you smile upon me and answer my beckonings with the like. His tears fell into the water and disturbed the image. As he saw it depart, it exclaimed, Stay, I entreat you. Let me, least, let me at least gaze upon you, if I may not touch you. With this and much more of the same kind, he cherished the flame that consumed him, so that by degrees he lost his color, his vigor, and his beauty, which formerly had so charmed the nymph Echo. She kept near him, however, when he exclaimed, Alas, alas, she answered him with the same words. He pined away and died, and when his shade passed the Stygian river, it leaned over and over the boat to catch a look of itself in the waters. The nymphs mourned for him, especially the water nymphs, and when they smote their breasts, Echo smote hers also. They prepared a funeral pile and would have burned the body, but it was nowhere to be found in its place of flower, purple within and surrounded with white leaves, which bears the name and preserves the memory of Narcissus. Milton alludes to the story of Echo and Narcissus in a lady's song of Comus. She is seeking her brothers in the forest and sings to attract their attention. Sweet Echo, sweetest nymph that livest unseen, within Thy airy shell by slow meanders argent green, and in the violet embroidered veil, where the lovelorn nightingale nightly to thee her sad song mourneth well, canst not tell me of a gentle pair that likest thy narcissus are. Oh, if thou have hid them in some flowery cave tell me but where sweet king of parley daughter of the sphere so mayest thou be translated to the skies and give resounding grace to all heaven's harmonies <laughs>